Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm to the end. Proverbs 29, 11. Alright, so welcome back to The Writer's Lens. I'm Josh J.C. Alfalto, and this is episode 51, which is all about wrath and writing. And this is continuing on the theme of the seven deadly sins uh, as it pertains to writing and my maybe uh, slipshod approach at trying to bring those two concepts together in a somewhat entertaining and educational fashion. So I hope you're enjoying this. This is the, what is this now? This is the third, uh, or no, fourth, I, I apologize, fourth episode of the seven deadly sins. So if you're tracking along at home, mathematically speaking, this episode is technically half of the way there. So we're almost there as far as the the seven deadly sins goes. But this one is all about wrath. And if you know anything about wrath, uh, you could Google it, you could you know look it up on Wikipedia or whatever you want to do. Wrath is is something that people experience, I think, uh, more often than they would like to. Some of the other sins that are on this list, like gluttony, and envy, or greed, or sloth, and, and which are still to come, are, are some of the sins where we're almost embarrassed if we can admit that we've had them at one point or another. Like, you know, I never want to say that I'm a glutton, right? Like, no one would come out and say, you know, I'm totally envious of you. And they wouldn't say it in a very sincere way. Like, whenever we say we're envious of someone, we try to, we almost try to veil it in some way, like to kind of ease the punch as if to say, like, yeah, we're envious of you because you're so awesome, not because we want you to, to fail, right? When it comes to wrath, we almost take pride in it, right? Like, we almost take some pleasure in knowing that we've become so stirred with anger that we just have to lash out at somebody or someone because that's ultimately what wrath is. It's this feeling of having an injustice be placed against you and now you're going to respond in some way that is equal to or more than the offense that was committed against you. So you're probably wondering how on earth then does wrath work into writing and artistic expression? Well, maybe you're not wondering because I think this is the one sin that is so synonymous with artistic expression that it almost seems silly to even have to do an episode on it because I could just probably do a whole series on it. Because when I think of writers that have written uh, very provocative or controversial material, usually it seems to come from a place of anger. There's some kind of injustice in the world. There's something that they feel slighted by. Uh, they think something needs to be made known. So they take their ideas or whatever it is that's fueling them, they put it on paper or they type it in their keyboards and they send it out into the masses uh, like some blanket email statement as if to say, look, this is a problem and this is me taking it out on the world so that everyone knows that I'm the one that came up with this. So I think as a writer, for instance, uh, this is very close to home. Because I know that I've ridden from a place of anger. I've ridden from a place of wrath many, many a time. And uh, it's not always so easy to discern when we are speaking out of a place of wrath and anger as opposed to a place of maybe righteous indig or, uh, indignation or something of that, 
of that nature. So all that being said, wrath, though, in its purest form is detrimental to us. Okay, it ultimately is. Okay, as much as we feel dignified in it or justified in it, uh, stirring up wrath against another person will ultimately lead to our own self-destruction. And I, and I don't say that in a very abstract way or uh, trying to be some kind of dark prophet or anything like that. As with any of these other sins that I'm mentioning in these episodes, all of them deal with the idea of self-indulgence. And that leads to, as I said, self-destruction. So when it comes to expression, artistic expression, uh, or writing, as I, as I like to hone in on so much, because this is the writer's lens, how might wrath then become a, uh, a, a stumbling block for us as writers? Or how might you be able to discern wrath when you're reading someone's writing? Because I can assure you that there are probably times I'll write a blog or I'll write something in, in one of my stories and I'm probably coming out of a place of anger or maybe uh, there's some stirred up emotion uh, within whatever I'm doing. But I want to be careful and I, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself that whatever I do write about, it has to come out of a place that's not filled with resentment or bitterness. So let's unpack that a little bit and, and just see what, uh, see what we have to say about this. So, so first of all, uh, the number one thing about wrath that I see as being a, a hindrance to creative expression is that wrath can often, I think, get posited on a specific individual in written form. So, so what do I mean by that? Well, think about any song you've ever heard where the singer is uh, singing in a way that they're, they're trying to get back at somebody. Okay, I, th I think Taylor Swift is, is one that gets a lot of uh, sort of ire for this <laughs> since she writes a lot of her songs about her exes or, or whoever it is that, that she feels has sort of slighted her um, romantically. But uh, what, I, what I really want to unpack with that idea is that if we become so focused on a specific person that has wronged us, for instance, and we think that the only way to really uh, have our message be heard is to lash out at them and write about them or sing about them or draw pictures of them that are, that are less than, uh, how do I say this, uh, less than endearing, then what are we ultimately doing? We have become come someone who has focused our message on breaking down a specific person or a specific idea. Now, when it comes to a specific idea, this is a little, this is where it gets a little bit more gray, I think, for me, because I have no problem, I think, with attacking certain ideas from a writer's standpoint. I, I think that certain ideas do need to have some sort of rebuke against them, right? Uh, when brought in a coherent fashion or, or brought with some wisdom and some knowledge on the topic, uh, you know, not with just unbridled anger, not just with unbridled anger, because if it is brought against a specific person or an individual that we're writing against, uh, we may put ourselves in a position that uh, that person may not be deserving of it over time. And we may never be able to actually forgive the person for what they've done to us or wronged us. And, and again, I'm not trying to uh, position this as as saying that, you know, I know that certain people have had horrible injustices done to them, okay? Totally understand that. So I'm not making light of that. 
And, and if you're someone listening to this and you've said, Josh, you know, I've written many a journals or in my diary or whatever it is about a person that had totally ruined my childhood or did something horrible to me, you know, I, I feel for you in that regard then. Okay, and I, and I don't want you to get the impression that I'm saying, don't write about it. Okay, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Writing is therapeutic. But what I am trying to say is, is that if that becomes an obsession to the point of, I'm going to destroy this person solely because they did something to me and now I must punish them for forever and ever, and that will be part of my message. I think this is ultimately self-destructive. It's really self-destructive because if you think about it, if all of your wrath and anger is spilled out on one person specifically, uh, number one, it, it doesn't allow you to move forward in any way. It doesn't allow you to heal in any way. Uh, you're merely just lashing out. You're 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 draining the well that is filled with fire in the first place, and you want that fire to eventually be quelled. All right. Like I'll give a good example of this. Uh, growing up, my dad, uh, we found out that he had Parkinson's disease when we were very young, and there were many years in my teenage years where I was very angry with my dad for getting this disease. And I would write about it in uh, like a journal or something at home. I'd pen about it. You know, I'd write poems and things. And that was my way of kind of coping with this sort of abnormality in our home. And the strange thing is, of course, looking back as I got older and, you know, and I, you know, I, I made peace with it and everything. I made peace with God about, you know, our family situation. I really felt silly for holding a grudge against my father about something that he had no control over right? He had no control over, right? And here I am getting all, you know, upset about something and I'm writing about it and I'm focusing all my energy on this and I'm not really healing from it. I'm not really trying to find a solution for it. I'm just trying to vent myself, which again, okay, venting is good. We can get it out of ourselves. We can rant about something. You know, I've I've probably ranted a few times on this podcast, but whenever it becomes the sole purpose is just to vent, and only to vent, and we're not directing it in a way that is going to bring us a bit of relief from this wrath or this anger that we're feeling, then what ultimately are we doing with it, right? Are we building up, you know, walls in ourselves? You know, are we not allowing ourselves to really become the creative that we're meant to be? You know, because those gifts that we have can be directed in different ways instead of just on a specific individual or or an event. Uh, so, uh, again, I don't, I don't speak lightly of these things, uh, as far as, uh, you listener who might be thinking, well, yeah, I've written a lot of really nasty things about someone who I think should be punished for things that they did or things that they did wrong. But, uh, I want to encourage you in whatever space you may be in that, that, that doesn't have to be your message. Okay. That doesn't have to be your message to try and take down this one specific person. Um, it doesn't have to be your message of your life. Okay, that doesn't actually have to be what it is. Um, so number two on this concept of wrath, because like I said, I, I feel like I could do a whole series on these, is that wrath ultimately makes us lose focus, which I know to many people when you feel like you're angry, you feel like you're more focused than 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 ever, right? I mean, I know there's a, there's a quote from the Star Wars films where the Emperor, I think, is, you know, he's trying to groom Anakin, uh, who have becomes Darth Vader, spoiler alert, he's grooming him and he says, your anger makes you focused. You know, it gives you direction. 
is what he is what he tells him at one point. And I guess in some ways, in the moment, it does feel that way that our anger can give us the focus that we need for the moment. Uh, I know that whenever I played sports, if I found myself riled up by someone uh, or a, a situation, I would sort of focus in a little bit harder because I was angry. But honestly, if you if you begin to really kind of pull that apart and think about it uh, from any standpoint in life, it doesn't even have to be creatively. When we become filled with anger to the point where we think we're so focused on something, we actually lose focus on everything else. Okay, we're not really able to see everything else. And again, this kind of gets back to my first point is that from a creative standpoint, you don't want to feel like you have a lot of boundaries on yourself. You don't want to feel like you have massive barriers uh, blocking you from discovering whatever type of inspiration that might be the next stage of your you know, creative journey or your writing journey. Uh, so anger and wrath can, can put us on a path that is very linear and it's very narrow. And if we don't get off that path, we'll find that the things we produce look the same all the time. They'll sound the same. They'll, they'll appear the same to us. Uh, I've always kind of wondered this, especially like in music, for instance, um, with certain uh, musical artists who their platforms were built on sort of an angry vibe. <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, I try to think of, uh, of a band, you know, for instance, that that just had like anger constantly pouring out of them. Like how long did they last that way? Like how long could they actually keep up that that sort of mantra? You know, can you can you really uh, go on stage every night on tour and spout about the same uh, horrible thing and or you know anger filled uh, situation and not feel burnt out by it or feel like you're growing creatively? Like is there something new? that's terrible that would have to maybe happen <laughs> or something like that that would then give you the the gusto again or the mojo to uh, to make another hit song. I, I don't know. Uh, to me, I just feel like it'd be like absolutely maddening to rely on just constant anger and pain uh, to fuel my creative path. Uh, because again, like I said, I think it makes you lose track of your of your message. Not everyone's message has to be complete pain and suffering all the time. You know, again, I, I, I would encourage anyone who is in that space from a writing standpoint or creative standpoint that, that that doesn't have to be your life's message, that there's pain and suffering. That's all there is. I mean, that's that's severe nihilism. Okay, that's that's a nihilistic worldview where there, there, you know, nothing has meaning really. My pain and suffering is all that there is. That's all I'll ever know. Okay, I uh, again, I would encourage you, listener, if that's you, uh, you know, that, that, that wouldn't have to be you. And if that's not you and you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, you know, that's not me, Josh. What's your third point? You know, what is it about wrath that you felt compelled to talk about? Well, ultimately, uh, wrath, I think, is something that will eventually incur uh, horrible things upon ourselves. And I know I've kind of said this as it being self-destructive, but, but you really become your own worst enemy, as a creative, uh, when you're when you're filled with anger, when you're filled with this idea of wrath that that people around you must be punished, I think it sets you up for failure in that you will treat everything like you're at war. Okay, you'll treat everything as though you have to be on the defense. Uh, you know, there's certain people in in my close circles of friends and relatives who who take things super super personally, right? 
And you probably know people like that yourself, where the slightest hint of a jab or a verbal sort of jeer can set this person off in the in the way of how dare you you know assail my character, you know how dare you say anything to me that uh, would be disingenuous of who I am, right? You know how dare you do those kinds of things? And you know, granted, I think everybody needs to handle themselves with a little bit of humor. Okay, <laughs> we need to be able to humor ourselves and laugh at ourselves a little bit, but. We don't want to become our worst enemies in that we, we feel like everything has to be a battle. And I think a lot of that stems from us taking things so personally. You know, we feel as though that we, we are justified in every position that we're in, and therefore we have to always be on the defensive. And it, it makes it hard to have friends, really, when you're like that. When you're always in defensive mode, when you're always treating everything like a battle, it's not very easy to keep friendships or circles or communities around you. And that's just in general. I mean, I'm not even talking about creative communities yet. I'm just talking about in general, you know, friendships or community circles. Uh, you know, being our own worst enemy in this way and walking around without a pent-up anger. I mean, who honestly wants to be around someone who's angry all the time? I mean, who wants to be around that Debbie Downer? Who wants to be around that person that is always looking at things with not just the glass half full, but they've broken the glass, right? And you're walking on shards whenever you're around them. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want that to be my persona. You know, I wouldn't want that. I mean, granted, I'm a severe extrovert. Ask, ask my wife or anyone else who knows me. I get tons of energy from being around people. Uh, so I would never want to cause any kind of uh, disturbance there for myself, but but for anyone in general. Uh, and, and just thinking of it from a creative standpoint, you wouldn't want to do that, you know, in a creative community. You know, because I've, I've said this many times before, it's always good to be in community with other creatives. All right, it's a, That's always a good thing to, to be in is, the, is to have some confidants, some people who will be honest with you about your endeavors, uh, who will support, uh, support your goals or your dreams, your passions, things, of, things like that. Uh, it's good to have those kinds of people. And it would be really, really... Uh, really, really bad or to your detriment to be the type of person that is alienates everyone else and who feels as though that, you know, because of my anger, because of my rage, I, I'm never going to actually be able to share some of these deeper, more vulnerable spaces of me, which again, like I said, as a creative, you should be going to those places. Vulnerability, I think, breeds uh, uh, influence, you know, the, uh, uh, the willingness to be vulnerable with your voice and with, with who you are and, and with whatever it is your ideas are, I think that does breed a little bit of influence and, and, it, and gets people's attention, ultimately. And I don't think anger makes it very easy for people to get close to you and to see that vulnerability because anger is a good way of putting up a shield, but it's not a very righteous shield. It's a shield that's, that's covered in thorns or spikes. Uh, so, so that really is my summation on the sin of wrath, which which I, I tried to condense this as best I could for this episode because, quite honestly, I think I could go on and on about the ideas of wrath and how it could be bad for us uh, as creative writers uh, when we're trying to pursue um, you know, a, a new book or an idea we're trying to, to get moving forward. So, so again, I, I really hope you guys are enjoying this series. I'm enjoying doing it. Uh, you know, I, I would love to unpack this idea more about wrath and anger, uh, 
not because I'm just an angry person, but just because I think it's a fascinating topic. But we will move on. We'll be moving on. So be sure to check out the next episode here on The Writer's Lens, where I'll be uh, talking about the narrative wars. Uh, episode three of that will be forthcoming in the, in the next week. And as always, I'll be moving forward here on this Seven Deadly Sins series that I'm doing uh, with writing. So hope you're enjoying it. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and tell a friend, uh, someone who might think these are, uh, at least if anything, educationally entertaining. So thanks again, guys. Uh, Have a great week, and I will catch up with you again soon.